White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Well, it's a perfect game. Win Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Welcome into Locked On Sox. My name's Mike Rankin. I'll be your host alongside Sean Anderson. We're back, filling in again. We are back. Tanny and Herb are still on vacation. How do we sound, by the way? This sounds pretty good. This I, high-quality microphones. This is high-quality in the Score Update studio. We're the excited to be here. of the best. And speaking of the Score, we have some sound from the Mully and Haw show this morning, actually, or yesterday morning as we record the podcast. Ozzie Guillen was on with Mully and Haw talking about the topic that we are going to get into in this first segment I don't want to keep you hanging much longer. Sean, what do we have on tap today for Locked on Sox? Well, on tap, we're going to be talking about Eloy's return. We're going to have that Ozzie Guillen sound on calling him up. When is the right time? We'll talk about that in the first segment. In the second segment, we'll be talking about the White Sox development, uh, how they've been developing players, how they've been drafting players, and how those players have reached the White Sox now. They right now, I believe, have the most first-round picks um, on their active roster at seven or six. I think uh, the teams that are competing with them are the Astros and Reds. At five, So we'll talk about the development there, and then we'll wrap up the show looking again for your questions and voicemails for your expectations for the second half. So get those in over at LockdownSocks at gmail.com, or you can give us a call on our voicemail hotline, 312-566-8727. Again, that's 312-566-8727. I'm Sean Anderson, Sean underscore W underscore Anderson on Twitter. That's Mike Rankin at Rankin906. And finally... This episode is brought to you by Locked On Prospects. It's MLB draft season, and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of the MLB. Host Aram Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I am interested in that podcast as a prospect connoisseur myself. I don't eat them, but I, I do enjoy following the prospects uh, across Major League Baseball, specifically within the Chicago White Sox system. Can't wait for that second segment, but first let's talk about Aloy Jimenez because, what do they say, Sean? It's like a free agent signing. It's like a trade market deal. Getting Aloy's bat back in the lineup sooner rather than later? Is that what we can expect? It sounds like it. A uh, very speedy uh, trip for him down in Winston-Salem uh, over the weekend. I believe he was put there in on Friday. Yeah, it was like three or four days. Mm-hmm. Friday, he had a rain out on Friday, and then he ended up playing Saturday and Sunday. Homer Saturday. Homer Saturday. His first at-bat was an absolute shock at, uh, rocket, I believe, 112 off the bat. So he was showing so much potential with the bat Call already. They called him up to AAA, and he just made his debut there last night. Uh, we'll go through what he's done so far at the plate and why he's been called up from double uh, from single-A ball to double or triple-A ball. Let me restart that. We're going to talk about why he's been called up so quickly from A ball to triple A ball. Um, right now, so far in his at bats at single A and triple A this year, nine at bats, two runs, three hits, six total bases, one home run. It's his only extra base hit and a walk. He's batting 429 down in the minor leagues. It really shows that this guy who is already uh, one of the Sox's best hitters is just tearing up minor league baseball, which isn't really shocking, Mike. This is what why well, we want to talk about this conversation mm-hmm. because 
the importance, obviously, of the bat. But this rehab assignment, it's interesting to talk, you know, like, has he mentioned to the, to the press and the media after it was announced that he was going to be assigned on a rehab stint earlier than what we expected? You know, look, he said he was 200 percent, feeling 200 percent. That's that's outstanding. He hasn't played a game all year. Spring training, the injury happened. A lot of time missed. And now you want to get back into baseball shape. you got to see live pitching. You want to be able to play nine innings in the field because it's clear the White Sox are not going to give up on him in left field, at least this season. Because And we can get into this conversation Mm -hmm. a little bit too, moving on in the segment. But where's the value in the lineup, the best possible lineup that you can put out there? And then my question is, it might have to do with Aloy in left field. So what they're doing in the rehab stint is now getting him in, back in the swing of things, of course. Started at Winston-Salem, a quick trip up to AAA. He's having success. It looks like he's seeing the ball well. Uh, the swing, the timing, it looks like it's right. And we're going to get to this Ozzie Guillen sound here in a little bit, who was on the Molly and Haw show yesterday discussing this exact thing. But it's a matter of, look, a guy hasn't played all season. Tony LaRusso said at the beginning of the uh, at this process, give him three weeks. You need that three weeks for Aloy to get back. But I'm I'm thinking, hey, call him up, bring him up now. Let's do it. Yeah. At, at first, I want to talk about the idea of him playing left field because in AAA they do have a DH spot, and they ended up last night going with Luis Gonzalez um, at the DH spot and putting Eloy batting third and in who left was field. Catching? Uh, catching was your mean Mercedes. Important. Uh, important, definitely, to see uh, if he's able to develop that down in AAA with Wes Helms' crew, the Charlotte Knights. Um, you know, maybe he could end up finding his stroke again. I mean, Sebi Zavala gets called down. Um, even though he's been looked really good, at least defensively behind the plate, uh, Sebi has in, in his couple starts here. Um, but it is interesting to see them use him when they could possibly just put him into the DH slot in Charlotte. Um, I know that in his last game in Winston-Salem, in the first three innings, he already committed an error in left field. So that is a worry that he's not even able to play these A ballparks uh, out in the field. I don't. I know Charlotte can be a very difficult place to play. A lot of high walls uh, out there. So it seems like it would be a tough place to play left field. Obviously, I think the biggest thing is just how does he hit AAA baseball or AAA pitching? Uh, because obviously he's shown that he can do it at a major league level. He's shown that he can't field at a major league level. I think the lineup is kind of easy to fill out, uh, especially with Robert not being back yet. I think you just slide him at the DH spot. I'm sorry, Eloy, but you've hurt yourself too much and you've hurt this team too much out in the field that you haven't earned this. Andrew Vaughn's been able to come up and play pretty good left field. I've been shocked at how good it's been. I know people have joked about gold glove caliber. I don't know if it's been that good, but shockingly good Andrew Vaughn has been playing left field defense. Brian Goodwin is an accomplished major league outfielder. Adam Engel is a good to great defender at times in center field Adam and Engel, right field. Adam Engel's a, an elite defensive center fielder. Mm-hmm. He's and, elite. And I, I I do wonder, too, when it does come time where Robert's back and they have to find a spot for Engel, I just think that makes right field a place where he can really grow. There's there's a conversation to be had where I think that he possibly could turn into right-handed 2016 Adam Eaton, uh, but that's a different conversation. But I, I do think that right now it's easy for me just to slide Eloy in the DH spot. Just put him fifth behind Abreu and, you know, just let him rake. I, I think that the 20 days thing is something that's up in the air. I wouldn't mind if they gave him that full 20 days down in AAA just to get his body and conditioning right. But also, again, if he's tearing it up and he's got he's still batting over 400 in AAA by the end of next week, I, I'd call him up at that point too. Well, that's what it is. Because I, I want him to be a DH. I don't want him sure. to get this. this I, I'm, I don't want to see the fielding. 
experiment again. I don't I've think anyone does. I don't want Aloy in left field ever again. But I think in the reality of the situation, he's going to have to, at least this year, because you start to look I at— I think they have enough outfielders. I, well, the thing is, you want to maximize the value of the lineup, and you want to get your best hitters in one through nine. And I think sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice the DH spot. And maybe not. Maybe, you know, if they work in Andrew Vaughn as the primary left fielder while Aloy— DHs prior to the return of Luis Robert and Yasmani and Grandal, I think they can get away with it. I want to back it up a little bit because I do want to hear what Ozzie Guillen had to say about the way Aloy is progressing and you know his perspective of the, of the fact that, hey, let's go because this is a major league player and the White Sox need him. Uh, the White Sox need his bat. I think it's also interesting, too, that the point you brought up, really the fact that he is playing in Charlotte he needs to be able to get live reps again. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And two, I, I also want to mention it was very convenient that the White Sox started him in Winston Salem, and he also, like at the time, was able to just go right to Charlotte. You know, same area code, right by each other. And that week, Winston was at home when Aloy started his rehab. Nice to ease him in against low level pitching, advanced A, and then move him to Charlotte relatively quickly. And, again, he didn't have to travel. I don't know what the schedule is going to be like for him moving forward. I think that was just a convenience factor for him, and I think it just made sense for him to start Winston, then to go to Charlotte. Timing was right. But now he's, like, ready to go. It's like he's mm-hmm. his timing looks good. The bat is right. You want to get him reps in left field because I think the White Sox still plan to use him out there despite, you know, I agree that he shouldn't be out there. Um, but let's hear what Ozzie Guillen had to say because I, I want to know and I want to – show the listeners, at least a lot of the listeners, to hear a perspective from a guy who's managed and worked with talent like this before. I don't care how it come up. His presence uh, on the ball club is, is, uh, is amazing. Uh, if I was them, I tried to, if I was Tony, I tried to tell Rick Han, hey, no more re- rehab, just bring it up. Now, I don't waste that much time with him. I know he got rehab, and I know he had to be, they had to be careful. I know they have to... To make sure he's fine, but the way he's swing the bat down in the minor league, I, I will put him right now, be the DH for the White Sox. I think, uh, I think Ozzie Guillen's brilliant. I think he needs to uh, <laughs> be in the White Sox today. See, the only way I'm happy with that, though, is if he's DH. Like, if, if he's playing left field, I, I don't think that helps this team right now. I think you're forcing the issue in an issue that's not really there. This team is uncomfortably in first place. They don't need another outfielder. They need a DH. So if he, they're calling him up and they want to get him that experience out in left field in Charlotte, then you have to use those 20 days because I don't want him in a White Sox uniform playing left field at all unless it's you need him to in the World Series. Like, that's the only way I'd be happy with Eloy playing left field. And let's look at the, the outfield talent right now because I think that I want to get your take on who gets sent down when Eloy comes up. I think it's Gavin Sheets, and I don't think they're ready to send Gavin Sheets back down at AAA because – I don't think he's really deserved to be sent down, and I don't think Eloy's fully healthy enough. I think it'd be kind of rushing him to get to that point, especially if you're looking at him to play the outfield. Boy, yeah, that, that's a tough dilemma. I think it's going to be Jake Berger because Jake Lamb was taking ground balls as he's working his way back at third base. I think they have a plethora of infield depth that there's not a spot for Jake Berger, and Berger needs to continue to hit. He needs live live at-bats. And, um, you know, it's a great story and all that, but he hasn't really been playing at the major league level anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think he's first in line to get sent down. Gavin Sheets is a power lefty. You know, the Sox already have a strong amount of right-handed hitters. 
So that's another knock on, on Berger, just, you know, not on the talent, just where he stands on the roster currently. That, that leads to the lineup question, too. If you want to play Gavin Sheets, it's, like, hard to justify him on the bench. You know, if you want to use mm-hmm. him as a pinch hitter, sure. And we're, like, projecting a little bit further down the road here because we don't really know when Aloy will be back. But take advantage of Gavin Sheets' bat. You see he can handle Major League Pitching, a left-handed pop. It's mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and again, that's I think that at some point he's going to be sent back down to AAA just because of the options that he does have. Like, it just makes more sense to send Gavin Sheets down than, I think, to take out Jake Lamb of this lineup because Jake Lamb has, when he was before he was healthy, he was doing really well um, as that left-handed power bat. I think he had around five or six home runs um, before he got injured. So I, I think that Sheets, they do want to see more from him in this lineup and get him yeah. more actual MLB at-bats because I don't think he's going to drown in it. Um, but looking at the lineup, I think you can lock in T.A. versus lefties and righties at number one, playing shortstop. Uh, at second, against left-handed pitching, I'd probably bat Vaughn and play him left field. Ooh. Um, Ooh. He's your best hitter against left-handed pitchers this year. He's been in the seven hole a lot this year, which is like I'm fine with that. And I'd, I'd move him down. Um, I, against right-handed pitchers, I have him at batting six. So, I, I, you know, he's been better, a lot better, I think since June 26th, May 26th, May 28th, something like that, uh, Jordan Lazowski had the stat, stat from uh, Sox on 35th. Shout out. Um, about what his splits have been like um, since that May-June area against right-handed pitching. And we saw what he did in Baltimore. He had two bombs off right-handers in that last game. So I would say Vaughn at second. I love Andrew Vaughn. Against okay. left-handed Just pitching. Tell me more. That's fine. Yeah. Anderson at one. Vaughn in left versus left-handed pitching. Uh, Goodwin in right versus uh, right-handed pitching. He's shown that that lefty bat is really smooth uh, so far. It, it's It's been great to see him and what, you know, Anderson and Hamilton have been able to do for Goodwin uh, have been great to see. Third, I'd keep Mancata playing third base. Fourth, I'd have Abreu batting first. Then five, when Eloy comes up, I'd have him be at five, being your DH. Um, with six, Vaughn in left field versus right-handed pitching. Uh, and then if at six against left-handed pitching, I'd go with Angle. Um, seven, I'd have Angle bat versus right-handed pitching playing center field. Um, but then I'd have Leury at second base versus right-handed pitching. Eight, Tony likes to move around the catcher, so it's not always going to be static, but I'd just put the catcher position there. Probably that's always going to be on the rotation. We know some guys like Collins. Uh, Zavala has been a really good uh, receiver so far, but he'd probably bat ninth, ninth whenever Zavala's in the lineup. And then nine, I like Hamilton in center field versus left-handed pitching, especially since he's stopped the, the switch hitting. Yeah. really shows that he's more comfortable on the right well, side. Well, he, he deserves so a roster spot, and he I, deserves to play. Yeah, I'd give him that favorable matchup. And then I'd have Mendick versus left-handers. Uh, right. at second base. So I, I think that's the lineup right now. I think it's easy to shake out, and that's a lineup that I think can can win. Sure. Like it's it's not a it's not the best team in the AL, but also they don't have Robert, and I think this team's still going to add. I think they might wait to bring up Eloy until they make a trade, especially mm. at that second base, because Garcia and Mendick have been fine. Garcia's been hitting the ball more. I like him against left hand, uh, Man, uh, right-handed Garcia. pitching. But he gets so much hate. He does, but I, I think that he is a really great bench piece. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't think he's a starter. I think they know that. I think they're going to make a trade. And I think that that's when Eloy gets called up. When they're making these final tweaks and touches, I think they're going to finally pull all the roster together around the 30th, 31st. And I think that's when we're going to see Eloy. Interesting that you bring that up. I, I want to go back to a point that you made about Jake Lamb and the fact that, you know, he's on the 10-day IL, mm-hmm. started June 29th. As we record this, you know, he's eligible to return. The White Sox... They're not going to—they have no other choice but to reestablish him on the active roster because if you don't, then you got to DFA him. Mm-hmm. So there's no really—there's uh, no reason for the White Sox to lose that roster spot. So that means they got to send somebody down. 
uh, with an option. And then that also applies when Aloy returns and Yasmani Grandal when he returns. So, you know, there's going to be some roster shakeup. But I think those are easy. Right. right. Eloy, Eloy, you send Burger Sheets down. Lamb, you send the other one down. Sheets or Burger. Um, Zavala goes down when Grandal's healthy. And then yes. Mendick's, Mendick has options. And, and Mendick things can, are going to change. And Mendick can go back down. As we anticipate the trade deadline with the White Sox being active. So I think that's a really good conversation point that, you know, anticipating. It's always fun to anticipate the active roster. But keeping in mind the 40-man, those who have options available and those who, like Brian Goodwin, you know, sign mm-hmm. on a minor league deal. I mean, that guy's going to stay with the big league club because he's he's earned that. Yeah. You know, I don't. And plus, like you said, major league quality outfielder, so he should be playing. Um, yeah, no, that's fun. And Andrew Vaughn, shout out Andrew Vaughn. He's been fantastic. At, at some point, I think once he establishes himself, maybe give him two, three years. I don't know, maybe fifteen hundred, two thousand plate appearances. Once he gets past that threshold, I could see him as being the best bat in the White Sox lineup. He might be the best bat next year. I mean, he's he's that good. He's, he's really turned the corner on right-handed pitching and just shortening all of the things that he, all of his flaws that he does have, even if they are minor. He's just shorting them, and he really doesn't show his flaws out on the field, sure. which is just, it's, it's well, fantastic to well, see. You, you see the comparison, him and left, who's, he's never done it. No. And you watch Aloy do it, who gives it his all. Man, he's trying hard. He wants to be a good outfielder. He just doesn't have any sense of awareness to be this, like, athlete who doesn't crash into walls or run into his own teammates or hang on a wall for unknown reasons. Like, you know, give me give me the awareness. Andrew Vaughn is a baseball player. He mm-hmm. has that. Yeah, final thoughts here uh, before we get into White Sox development. Uh, I think Eloy, when he gets back in here, I also think you're going to see Jose Abreu start to hit because you see the effect that Anderson has on Brian Goodwin and Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton and Goodwin basically having career years now with the White Sox. I think there is something about this clubhouse mentality, and I think just adding a guy like Eloy who is just so fun and so loose, especially in August when it's going to get hot and it's just going to be, you know, you're getting into the games 100, 120. Like having Eloy there to be a breath of fresh air, especially for Jose Abreu is going to be great, and he's still feeling loose. He's you know putting both bullfrog sunscreen on Frank Minakino's head in the the, How the many Baltimore. RBI, what is it? Sixty eight RBI into the break. I mean, that's you know. I think so. Jose Abreu doing his thing. Sixty six RBI. I mean, he's among the league leaders in the American League. That's what he does. You know, fifteen home runs. This is a run producer, and I agree wholeheartedly. Adding Aloy Jimenez, it just helps the rest of the lineup be great. Abreu's got 66 RBIs. That's fourth, uh, I believe, in the American League right now. That's Mike Rankin. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll be back on Locked on Sox next, talking about the White Sox development and how their farm system has really turned a corner in producing players. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to Brad Fuller from the National Pro Fishing League tell you more. I've been a dipper of chewing tobacco for over 20 years. I have quit started and quit and started and now i found a product where i don't have to quit let me introduce you to fully loaded this product is food grade quality but it's not tobacco that means the nicotine that's in this is not from tobacco it's actually called tfn it's tobacco free nicotine so you still get nicotine but it's not from tobacco guys i've tried a lot of these brands and things like this before this is as close and as real to real tobacco as you're going to get you get all the benefits of it and what I like about it, they have great flavors, they have pouches, they have straight, they have long cut. 
and it actually dips like real dip. It comes in fully loaded, half loaded, and then the nicotine free. So you, you can walk yourself back and walk away from the nicotine. I love it. You're going to love it. And now Fully Loaded Chew is offering a Locked On Team listeners a special offer. Right now, you can try it just for $1. That's right, folks. Just one buck. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use our promo code Locked On. That's right. Just $1 and free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, Make it Fully Loaded Chew at FullyLoadedChew.com. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at RockAuto.com. You know, with all the ever-increasing makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your car an LX or an EX? Well, I don't know. Let me go out and look. And why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to RockAuto.com at home and in your pocket. Look, the reality is when you go to rockauto.com and find your auto parts there, you're going to save time and money when you use our friends at Rock Auto. So why choose to pay 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or God forbid your dealership? For example, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 at a chain store, but only $216 at rockauto.com. See what I'm talking about? And they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers like you and I for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are always going to be reliably low for every single customer. And they've got everything too. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I know I'm hitting the road soon going up north. I'm going to check and make sure my car has everything it needs. And I'm going to do that by going to rockauto.com. Check them out. Won't you explore their easy to use website and find the solution for your auto part needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on and they're how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com welcome back to locked on socks i'm sean anderson with me is mike rankin and now in segment two we're transitioning to talk about the white Sox development of some of these young players. Mike, you just put a list together recently of the guys that are on the active White Sox roster and how they got there. And it really shows um, a a, a lot of credit when you look at this list should be given to the White Sox developmental uh, staff and what the work they've done. What what can you guys, uh, especially with your background of Future Sox being the the editor-in-chief, what have you really noticed, especially over the past couple of years, with the development side of the White Sox baseball organization. Yeah, it's really cool to see, Sean, uh, an organization commit to their, you know, scouts, the trust in their scouts and their players. And I don't think there's a better example than Adam Engel and how the White Sox have committed to his development. There were times when you just wanted to give up on the bat. You know, you saw the speed, and Steve Stone would describe it on the broadcast consistently the value in his bat like you look at the profile at least like 2017 2018 Mm -hmm. he was a guy that you would say he's a slap hitter make more contact why are you striking out so much why are you trying to hit home runs well that's his game he's a power bat and the White Sox knew that and they made adjustments to his swing uh, and his batting stance credit to Adam Engel as one example he's somebody that you know, took the time to commit himself to being a better player and mm-hmm. to stay in the major leagues. I mean, that's just one thing. But, yeah, you mentioned the list, and I was just curious because of, you know, the amount of uh, participation from the prospects, like within the system, on the White Sox 40-man this year that have had an impact on this team. And I just kept going. <laughs> they just kept flying, like, you know, jumping off at me. And, you know, you date back to 2010 because this does relate. The White Sox drafted Chris Sale— ultimately trading Chris Sale for Yohan Moncada 
and Michael Kopech, who, of course, we know are you know top-of-the-line Major League players. And I expect Michael Kopech at some point, hopefully next season, to be in the starting rotation, which is going to be exciting. But the international signings as well, Jose Abreu in 2013, Kenny Williams himself. Shout-out to Kenny Williams for scouting him. And uh, Kevin Goldstein told us a really fun story mm-hmm. about the way Kenny Williams scouted Jose Abreu. Uh, out in the Dominican... There was several major league teams, a lot of teams who were interested in Jose Abreu, watching him take batting practice and just Abreu smacking the ball out of the yard, right? It was just consistently on the barrel. It was loud. And Kenny Williams just gets up and leaves after like five minutes of watching him. And maybe that was a tell for other, okay, well, the White Sox are out. Nope. Nope. They liked him. Kenny Williams was sold. And I think he knew, too, like what Mm -hmm. he was getting into. But that was just a cool little tell there. They went and... In 2013, drafted Tim Anderson, who was the best available player on the board. We know how he's developed. But, yeah, I mean, we could go down the entire list, right. Sean. Well, and I, I want to look at it. Yeah, let's, tw- let's do that. we got 22 players on this list. Um, the guys that I'm going to take off real quick are Jimmy Lambert, who really haven't made an impact to the White Sox actual major league team. Um, Jimmy Lambert has been seen, though. Zach Birdie, not a huge impact on this team yet, but he has been seen on this team. Jonathan Stever, not a guy that you've seen a lot of. Yeah, a lot of in a White Sox uniform, but enough where you've actually seen him. Luis Gonzalez, you saw him in Pittsburgh uh, this year as well. But outside, you take those four guys off, you got 18 guys. 18 of these guys are, I think, currently on the roster. Chase Fry, Carlos Rodon, Engel, Anderson, Abreu, Kopech, Moncada, Zavala, Mendick, Collins, uh, Foster, Burger Sheets, Madrigal, Hoyer, Vaughn, Crochet. I mean, th- that's what I, I, I can't do the math, but that's right. 18 to 26, uh, whatever percent, like 75% of your roster, guys, you have developed or drafted. It's it's something to celebrate. Part of the reason why the White Sox are as good as what as they are this season, as well as what the mm-hmm. the complimentary free agents, the decisions to trade specific prospects, and you look at man. The White Sox farm system has not been good, like ranked near the bottom <laughs> mm-hmm. in consecutive years because what the Sox wanted to do was compete every season, trade assets for major league value. And really, when you look back at it outside of he who must not be named for the pitcher who must not be named, that was like the the pinnacle of the whoopsie daisy. Otherwise, everything else, they didn't lose anything. Yeah. Like the value that they traded to get like for a chance to compete year in and year out. What are you crying about, Trace Thompson? No, <laughs> I mean what you know, like honestly. Well, it, it also does feel like even when you look at the team when they were like always adding with their prospects, like let's uh, you know getting Jake Peavy, uh, getting uh, Jim Tomey, it really never feels like they were burned outside of that Tatis trade. They were exactly. So uh, that's you the thing it. too, though. But that I don't know if that's uh, how a, dare you. I don't know if that's like a good thing. For the for the White Sox, it wasn't just because, because the scouting and development part um, department was not was not exactly, and it's 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 what they were doing. It was so pathetic just to see them draft and go through this way of failed time after yeah. failed time. Um, I think people stick out like the biggest one is the Courtney Hawkins pick, and I think that kind of turned the corner. Keon for Barnum, Keenan Walker, Bryant Flette. Not good. I don't know those players. Not good. I know Keenan Walker because of your time with the Windy City Thunderbolts. But that's it. I mean, it, like, this, it, it's very, very bad. And I think that now you at least see, even if this team's going to go down to the 30th ranked uh, prospect farm system, 
by MLB.com, which is a possibility just because of all of these players are currently contributing to a White Sox uh, roster. You have six of your first-round players already on the team. That's not going to go towards your pipeline, right? Andrew Vaughn, Garrett Crochet, these guys have graduated from being in that pipeline. So it is good to have this prospect uh, influx go to your team and now see this White Sox team rebuild this farm. And you mentioned Yolki Cespedes being 23 years old, but we see the youth being added in. Tanner McDougal we're really excited about. He's 18 years old uh, during the draft. We see uh, Colson Montgomery, the first round pick. He's 19 years old. We see Wes Kath. He's 19 years old as well. Um, So it's really exciting to see these guys, um, the White Sox, kind of get into this mode. And I think Ingle uh, Adam Engel kind of summarizes what they're trying to go after. The going as after hard work ethic and guys who will work their tail off. And you t- you know a little bit about uh, Engel retooling his swing, uh, but it, it is a credit to both Engel and then Frank Minichino, his work in Charlotte, and then the White Sox team and or, uh, organization in general, just yeah. to put the effort into Engel to m- turn him into uh, a major league outfielder. He did it himself, but also the White Sox organization got him. It's the commitment, Sean. You're right. Absolutely right. And Nick Hostetler deserved a lot of credit for the draft classes leading up to 2019 and into 2020. Mike Shirley, the amateur scouting director, was a part of it. And I'm just naming the, the men at the helm uh, leading the charge. I mean, the whole developmental staff is a part of this thing. But when you have a guy who has been a part of it, like he was along for the ride, was Mike Shirley. Mm-hmm. Nick Hostetler, very transparent of what type of talent they were looking for. I mean, he, he stole Cody Hoyer in the sixth round. This was a guy who was overlooked by so many organizations because, like, as he was a starter at Wichita State, but they saw the arm action and they saw the way the ball came out of his hand, especially the fastball. They said, this is some type of value that we can find, and mm-hmm. they did. And, you know, again, that's just another example. You saw how instrumental he was last season. I mean, this just kind of echoes the point these are young players playing important roles today. And this is this is another really important note about that. You're not going out and buying. That's why the White Sox aren't spending, because they have the depth. They have what they believe is enough to say, okay, we have these core players, right, our big league guys who are going to carry us. Then you have the complementary players that you're signing on the bargain, and you're also having a field of depth in the farm system that you believe can break out at any moment. And then, look, I don't know if the expectation was to start Andrew Vaughn this season Mm -hmm. on opening day, but they knew what they had in this talent. And he's sort of an anomaly compared to the rest because he's as advanced a hitter as there was coming out of the draft at the time in 2019. You advance him, you know, he worked in Charlotte, or excuse me, in Schaumburg in 2020. And I had reason to believe that if there was a full major league season, Andrew Vaughn would have been called up at some point last year. That's really? just me. Oh yeah, I think he was. I think he was advanced. I think they believed in him at that point. So, you know, I'm just I'm wondering mm-hmm. whether or not that was a legit thing. Like if everybody was healthy this year, Vaughn would be on the roster. I think he would be because I think they they like him a lot. Um, so, but to wrap up that thought, right? It, it's the value in trusting your prospects the development of those prospects, understanding what you have, mm-hmm. and then building around well, that and not spending, you know, uh, handcuffing yourself financially so they have flexibility in times like this, the and, trade deadline. And that's something Shirley talked about yesterday. I don't think we got to the cut um, specifically about it, but he talked about West Cath and he talked about uh, our guy Colson Montgomery and saying that they're from good families and that their parents have taken them to where if they get through 
you know, if they face some adversity, their parents are going to help them guide through it. And like they've been matured through their relationships with their parents and they're, they're drafting good young ballplayers. And I think they saw that with Andrew Vaughn that, you know, he's able to throw and, you know, have anything thrown at him and just really take it on and, and run with the punches. Engel, I think, kind of yeah. exemplifies that as well. A guy that's just going to work his tail off to get where he is because he knows the potential is there. So I think that's a huge thing with the Sox is the way that they've gone after strategizing and just looking at specific players and traits they're finding the in, in guys. The part of the game is so... I just feel like it's so often looked past. Absolutely. I mean, the, there's the, not I, a tangible way to quantify the value in, in the mental part of a player. I know we're talking about Adam Engel here a lot, but it, I, I am, maybe, whatever. It's a crush. But the Engel thing, the fact that he came back from this injury twice this year, this hamstring injury, and just came off and, and hit that three home run, yeah. like that's this guy. And how many has times has faced, he failed prior to this? Exactly. He's faced so year. many times where, you know, in 2017, playing on bad ball clubs, just yeah. trying to get reps in. 2018, just trying to get reps in. And then 2019, he starts on an actual competitive team, and he's, like, you know, flailing a little bit. 2020, we see some flashes. But now in 2021, it just seems like that makeup's there, and there is no fear. He just needs—he knows he needs to make it on this White Sox team and be a starter, and he's really just taking it and run with it. Look, maybe it comes off as we're just kind of— <sighs> Talking about something that you can't prove is true, but when you listen to Mike Shirley, to your point, Sean, mm-hmm. he's being very transparent about the type of athlete they want to scout. They want to commit to players who also want to be committed to the White Sox. The perfect example, too, that relates to this conversation is Garrett Crochet. When they mm-hmm. drafted Garrett Crochet, the story of him his freshman year, immature. He said this himself. He wasn't the guy that was going to be even a draft pick his freshman year. I mean, the tools were there, left-handed pitcher, super – you know, he's – as a freshman going to Tennessee – or maybe he wasn't at Tennessee. I have to double-check that. But as a freshman in college, he wasn't there. He wasn't ready. Bad year. His sophomore year, all of a sudden, fixed his work ethic, mm-hmm. transformed his body. In, at, this was definitely at Tennessee. And he was – he was successful to an extent, like not eye popping successful, but he was like, okay, this guy is on the draft radar, first round talent. Then you move on to his junior year. Look at how much he's grown. Mm-hmm. The value in that, it, it speaks volumes. And I think the White Sox have done a great job. Yeah, they really have. Uh, this development team needs a ton of uh, credit. I think the only side on the White Sox staff that has kind of failed a little bit is just the the training side. I mean, we see a lot of injuries this year, and I'm not sure if that's because of the, yeah. the, the change in the schedule. We're going from 60 to 162 again, but that is something of my biggest concern. But if we're talking about drafting, I love what Shirley did um, Sunday through uh, Tuesday. Absolutely love that. I love what we're, we're seeing in the developmental side. I think Rick has done a great job in free yeah. agency and trades so far. It really does seem like this is a rebuild of the White Sox front office. And it's not only, you know, showing on the field, but it's just showing even in every single thing they do. When it comes to free agency, they hit it. When it comes to trades, they mostly hit it. When it comes to drafting, they mostly hit it. And they're developing the guys that they're drafting. It's great to see. We want to see them spend more money. We want to see Michael Brantley playing right field for the White Sox. Nick Castellanos. But if they're able to get, you know, and develop a guy like Castellanos or Brantley, that's going to be a huge 
huge win for this. And this then staff. they can just sign them like early in their career. <laughs> you know, like they're pre- great at that pre-arbitration <laughs> deals. Sign them for value. Like, hey, Tim Anderson, take this team-friendly contract. You'll be rich, um, and we'll be able to take advantage of you. Uh, okay, no, not really. But thank you, Tim Anderson, for being a part of this team because we love you as uh, White Sox fans. Uh, as we wrap up this conversation, I know we got to get to the last segment here on Locked On Sox. Thanks again to Herb and uh, Chris Tannehill for allowing us to fill in. I want to talk about Yolki Cespedes mm-hmm. and some of the young prospects that we're seeing in Kannapolis and even in the Arizona Complex League. Like These are names that are, you know, they're on the radar. They should be at least. You're paying attention to them because they're top 10 prospects. As players are graduating from our list over at Future Sox, you're seeing you know them moving on to the big league club and no longer prospects. The White Sox are turning over this new leaf of what we can pay attention to. The Olki Cespedes, man, that is uh, that's somebody to be excited about. He's a top five prospect in the Sox system right now. Jared Kelly, who he was dealing with an injury that was on a rehab, or he was like on the IL for a little bit, and he's coming back, easing his way back. You want to take it slow with him, monitor your expectations. He's the White Sox number one prospect at the moment. You have Andrew Dahlquist, Matthew Thompson, a couple of high school arms that they drafted in 2019, and you move on too as as the the bats in Canapolis. Like they're, it's ugly. Don't look at the box scores in terms of defensive like air, like. Canapolis leads the league in errors. It's awful. Unearned mm-hmm. runs. It's awful, and then it hurts the pitching staff. And it does like if you look at the statistics, it, it okay. That's not the exact. Um, evaluation that you want to see, you have to see them play. Brian Ramos, Jose Rodriguez, two very, very exciting bats at the low A level. Yolbert Sanchez, you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yolbert Sanchez, the international signing in Winston-Salem, absolutely proving that he belongs. He's an older international signing. He played on the Cuban national team, and he can play defense. That's a utility defender on the infield. So just a few names wanted to throw out mm-hmm. there as we see the draft class come together. We're seeing some signings trickle through the pipeline as well. And over at Future Sox, we're going to update our top 30 list, which I'm really excited about in the midseason. And it's going to be a lot of names that many aren't familiar with because of those who we are so familiar with seeing on the top 30 over the last three years. They're graduated and they're on the White Sox now. Yeah, and some of those names might be uh, leaving the organization as well as we get closer and closer to that July 31st date. That's Mike Rankin. I'm Sean Anderson. We're going to take a quick break here on Locked on Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Money lines every night, over-unders. It's all there for you if you enjoy betting on baseball at BetOnline. They've got all the other sports, too. NBA Finals coming to a close. Football futures golf i've talked to you about some of the crazy fun prop bets they have going on at bet online got some new ones here just added aside from the alien abduction props which i always enjoy they have who will bill gates date next what about jeff bezos who will marry first bezos or gates you can place a bet on that. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website and use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. 
Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. Back here on Lockdown Sox, I'm Sean Anderson. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mike. That's Mike Rankin. We're filling in for Herb and Tanny. We will be here uh, tomorrow as well, so we will be popping up in your feeds. Mike, we will be previewing the second half tomorrow, and we will be looking for your phone calls and your emails you can hit us up at lockdownsocks at gmail.com or you can call the voicemail at 312-566-8727 mike if there is one bat that is going to be added to this white Sox team before the july 31st deadline who do you want it to be eduardo escobar i think he just fills fills the need the white Sox are looking for he's good he's good and they could probably get him for a relatively fair value. Like Adam Frazier, we talked about in the last mm-hmm. episode. It's going to cost a lot. Joey Gallo, a left-handed bat in the outfield. Uh, you, we talked about at the roster spot, the influx of players. I know you can move Gavin Sheets around, and Brian Goodwin You know, is sort of expendable on a grand scheme of things here. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the White Sox want to pick up a, a left-handed bat that'll cost, one, enough to get him, as well as the fact that he's got another year. So it's like a year and a half that you're paying for. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your right fielder for next year, but I think the White Sox are still thinking about what they have internally and they want to save money in the offseason. But I think Eduardo Escobar is the, is the guy. He's been the guy for me since the get-go. Um, ever, ever since Nick Madrigal went down, I was like, okay, Escobar, Arizona, let's do it. Right, and that's the biggest thing, too, is just looking out for next the, the offseason uh, coming up just because you have— Rodon that you're going to possibly have to resign. You have Lynn you possibly have to resign. Giolito needs an extension. So that money, if you're going to go out and get a Gallo or a Frazier, a guy who has um, control for next year, that's going to be money that's taken up. And yes, you might have a great bat out there. It might be a piece that allows you to trade like a Gavin and Sheets. it sort of handcuffs them in the outfield. They mm-hmm. like to be flexible. Yeah, and I don't, I don't hate Goodwin right now as as their left-handed outfielder. I don't mind that, or and I didn't mind Jake Lamb either. But well, like you Joey want... Gallo is like a real bat, and he plays every day. Like, and you don't mind Goodwin because of the complementary pieces in the lineup; they can mix mm-hmm. and match, yeah, right? I mean, Good, Goodwin so far A has just been producing. Yeah, but then also B, I think there is something too that this clubhouse is really just kind of finding its own voice. I think that you see the importance of having eighteen of these guys yeah. come from this White Sox organization because there is such a brotherhood that is in there so when there's that brotherhood already established when you throw guys in like Brian Good when you throw guys in like Billy Hamilton they're able to connect with these guys immediately because the locker room is so electric and I think that's a huge credit to what they've built and what Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson have been able to do over the past eight years is take that Love it. that that brotherhood and what might have not been there with Adam Eaton and Todd Frazier uh, and, and truly turn it into a great place to play. And that's why I think guys are having career years like Lamb, Hamilton and and, and Goodwin, places that, you know, guys that we didn't really expect to produce like they've been. And shout out Drake Loroch. Uh, it's so it's like <laughs> when you're thinking about that, too, it's like you're handcuffing yourself. We mentioned that, but you you don't need you don't need to pay the value that is going to or what it takes to get a guy like Joey Gallo at this point. Mm-hmm. He. He makes sense, you know, he does, but at the same time, I don't want to spend and I don't want to buy him for next year, even yeah. though he's, he's your everyday bat. I think there's going to be options in free agency that the White Sox can toy around with. So go get the, go get the rental and and fill the spot that you need, which is second base. Well, I like the rental and Chris Bryant, but he doesn't play second base, but he might be he willing could. to. He, he might could. be willing to to win another World he Series well in Chicago. That's Mike Rankin. I'm Sean Anderson. Again, our Email is LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Voicemail, 312-566-8727. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow Mike on Twitter 
at Rankin906. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Sox. But for Sean and Mike, we want to thank Herb and Danny for letting us fill in. And we will talk to you tomorrow on Lockdown Sox.